Hebrews chapter 4, um, starting in verse 1, and then we'll skip ahead to verse 11. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. And in verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Thank you for reading. Thank you for reading, Don, and thanks to Nick and all the ones that led us in worship and all the um, audiovisual as well that just kind of made those things possible. A few years ago, uh, my wife and I, we got the roof replaced on our house. It was time, and so we did, and what surprised me about that day particularly was how early all this equipment started rolling in. I mean, I knew we were going to get our roof replaced, but I mean, I'm talking before 7. I, I feel like it was at 6.30. I'm hearing all sorts of noises of things backing up and moving into our driveway and on our street to prepare before one shingle was taken off, before one shingle was put back on, to prepare for that to happen. There were so many moving parts, so many pieces of equipment and preparation had to be made so that, so that as the roof was getting replaced, every shingle was getting replaced, it just had a way of making it a lot more efficient and effective because all that was done in preparation. And I say that because as we come to God's word today, it is, Hebrews 4 is certainly, a lot of Hebrews, but particularly Hebrews 4 has some complexities. There are a lot of things going on. There's a lot of connector words. There are a lot of themes that come together in Hebrews chapter 4. And my goal is not to have some sort of academic lecture. There's a place for lectures and, and they're good. But we need to have more than just an academic lecture. We need to hear from the Lord today. We need a word from him. And yet what, what I'd like to do is at least kind of bring some machinery or bring some parts into this before we even look at all of Hebrews 4. I do want to walk through that passage, but before we do this, I think it'd be helpful for us to even prepare so that when we read, we'll know what we're reading, so that when we read, we'll know some of the themes, some of the things to be looking for. So I'd like for us to do that first, to kind of bring in some of the uh, equipment, if, you, if I can use that illustration, so that we'll know how to read this, and then we're going to go through uh, verse by verse in a good portion of Hebrews chapter 4. And then at the end, I want actually to give us some prayers that we can pray as a result, kind of application from this passage. So that's our roadmap. The first piece of equipment that I think even to prepare us for reading Hebrews chapter 4 is to recognize and to have our eyes tuned for God's word or God's promises. I say that because over and over again in Hebrews chapter 4, you're going to read these things that allude to God's word. So right there at the beginning in verse 1, it talks about a promise God made. This is a word that God gave. And then in verse 2, it talks about good news and a message, more words that God has spoken, more promises he's made. In verse 3, it says that he speaks, he says things, and he makes an oath, he swears. He In verse 4, it says he speaks again. In verse 5, it it's talking about a passage recording things that he had said in the past. And 
in verse 6, it talks about good news again. In verse 7, it talks about an appointment, but he makes the appointment with his words. In verse 7 also, it says he speaks through David. In verse 7, it says, like his words in the past are quoted. In verse 8, it says that God has spoken. Verse 12, that Don read a moment ago, it talks about the word of God being living and active. So I just want you to see, like at the end, it's the word of God is living and active, but actually... From verse 1 to verse 12, you have reference after reference after reference of God speaking. Particularly in verse 1, it says that he made a promise. God committed himself, a commitment to his people. This promise, one person gave a a definition, a description of a promise. As kind of an, an initial statement of God's intention. Followed by a gift or followed by God performing an action. So it's an initial, it's initial statement. God says, I'm going to do this. And then down the road, it's followed by God acting on that, God giving something or God performing an action. And again, just have your eyes open for God's promises, God's word, God speaks, and God gives sinners and slaves good news. Redemption has come. God makes promises, so let's be aware of that, be in tune, because then it becomes an issue of whether we're going to believe the promises or not believe them. Are we going to obey God's word or are we going to disobey God's word? So again, having our our eyes ready to see that kind of first piece of equipment to move in. I think another piece of equipment that is helpful to read in Hebrews 4 is just to appreciate there is a backstory. There's a backstory, and by that this backstory, it's not like Hebrews 4 rolls sequentially or kind of chronologically as if, you know, read verse 1 and then you move on timeline. It actually brings up all these different themes of things that are going on in the Bible. And I just want to highlight a few of those themes just so we have eyes to see it. So the idea of creation from Genesis 2 is recorded here in Hebrews 4. So that theme is going to be mentioned. But then it also the time of Moses is going to be mentioned when God's people came out of Egypt and went into, like we're right on the verge of going in the promised land. So Moses is going to be mentioned, as will Joshua, who was Moses' successor. And then you actually can skip ahead to to David, about 300 years after Joshua. And, And David writes Psalm 95. So again, there's a story going on, and Hebrews is going to pick this thread and this thread and then pull them all together. Not only Joshua, but then you kind of move forward and you recognize Jesus came. That's the ultimate good news. And the Hebrews, who somewhere in the first century AD are getting this letter written to them about Jesus. And so, and then there's us a couple thousand years later reading this record. But then Hebrews also points even further down the road to eternity towards something that remains in the future. So there's just this wide backstory of creation all the way to eternity in the future. And I'm guessing most of us, if we took a poll, would not claim to be Bible experts in any, in any way, shape, or form. And, and so you may read this and go, it seems like a lot of references, a lot of things are going on. Do I, I don't know that I have clarity on this story or that. I just, wanna, I just want you to recognize there's a whole lot going on. And so step by step, we learn God's word. But if you go, I, I'm not sure I followed all of these references and how they can how they connect, I do want you to at least appreciate there is a backstory centered on Jesus that goes from creation to new creation in eternity. One more piece of equipment that I think is helpful before we even read through these verses and make some comments would be, I think it's really, really helpful to have 
an idea of the meaning, the definition, a description of rest. I say that because I didn't, I didn't do a count, but even a quick count of, I don't know, seven, eight times the word rest is going to be used. I don't know any other chapter in the Bible that uses the word rest more than this one. So, I mean, it definitely makes sense to me if rest is going to be used regularly, we ought to know exactly what's being talked about. And sometimes that's elusive because words can have different meanings. And the, the idea of rest is also traced over that whole backstory from creation to a new creation. Um, so what exactly is meant when we're talking about rest that's used so many times? So a description that I, you know, got from this source and this source and kind of Merge them together would be something like this. Rest is a realm or a place. I do think that's important. A realm or a place of relief and security that flows from enjoying a right relationship with God. So again, when you read rest multiple times, I wonder if every time we could at least fill that a little bit with it's this realm or this place of relief and security that flows from enjoying a right relationship with God. Not to be flippant, but this is, rest here isn't talking about that long nap that you and I hope to enjoy this afternoon. Not while I'm preaching, this afternoon later on, right? Rest is different than even that, like, you know, I need to kind of center myself and have a little less stress in my life. So it's actually talking about something much, much bigger than that. Rest is actually you coming alive, and you come alive when, when you can even do things without it being a burden. Sometimes have you, have you even worked, but it's not really like work. It's almost like uh, you're free from a burden or you're free from a threat, and you're just, you're able to enjoy every ounce of what God made you to be. I think there's an idea of rest in there. It's a, a realm and a place, and that's why Hebrews and other times would say, What we're looking for is a city, a country, a kingdom. It's a realm or a place that we're looking for that is rest. So is there psychological dimensions? Certainly. Are there emotional dimensions? Absolutely. And there are theological and spiritual dimensions as well when it comes to this idea of rest. When I I put that description of rest, it does help me appreciate, because Hebrews is going to say a weird thing. It's going to say, Like you want rest, which you would think would be kind of relaxing, but it'll say you've got to struggle for rest. You've got to strive to enter that rest because relationships take work. It's also going to give us a picture of the fact that, yes, we want rest, but sometimes we want rest independent of God or a right relationship with him. We don't want to go the road of endurance and patience and trust and reliance. We wonder why we don't rest. I wonder if it also helps us, that description helps us appreciate there are elements of rest we're going to enjoy now, but not yet completely because there's something out there, a realm or a place where we will be free from all kinds of threats and all kinds of burdens. And that place is not yet immediately, even though we taste some of that now. So again, pulling all those things together, Thinking through, okay, we got a description of rest, we've got a backstory, and, and we can appreciate God's word and promises. Then can we just go through this passage? And I promise I'm not going to answer every question that you might have. The, this is a complicated, complex passage. 
but maybe with a few handles, we can at least have some appreciation of what the writer of Hebrews is saying. So look at verse 1. Let's just walk through this. It says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us as a community fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. So there definitely is a word of warning here, isn't there? There's something available. There's rest that we could receive. But here's something that we should be afraid of, and that is missing out on this promise that should have been believed and should have been acted on, but we didn't believe it. We didn't rest on it. Here's something to be afraid of, not continuing to walk with Jesus. I mean, we're fearful of lots of things, fearful of something bad happening to us, the people we love, to our health, fear of getting downsized, fear of a relationship going a different way. We, We fear all kinds of things. Yet this passage, verse 1 says, here's something, here's something to, to rightfully be afraid of. There were, there were disciples in John 6. There were people that were around Jesus that like, were following him. It says they followed him for a while, but then they turned and didn't follow him anymore. Hebrews would say, that's something to be fear, fearful of. That's something to be wary of, to be alert to. Let's keep reading. It says in verse 2, it makes a A comparison, actually, right? For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them. There's a comparison. Moses' time, that's them, like they got good news in that Moses says, you're going to be delivered from Egypt and there's promised land awaiting. They got good news and Moses led them out of Egypt. And good news has come to us even infinitely greater than just getting out of Egypt and a promised land, a, a piece of earth, a piece of real estate. There's even greater news. There's a comparison here, and that is that God has come to us in Christ. He was human, and he can save, and he can wash us with his blood, and he can bring us life through the resurrection, and he can bring us to God. There's a comparison, but in this passage, there's also a contrast because rather than being united with those believing, there were some that were not. There was a contrast. Some believed and some didn't, which is actually what the rest of verse 2 is saying. There There were some who were not united with faith, with those who listened. In verse 3, it says, here's a contrast, but we who have believed enter that rest. Just as he has said, as I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So contrast here between, again, what was going on in Psalm 95 that David wrote, what was happening in Numbers 13 and 14 where Moses led. There's a contrast because we believe we've entered But not everybody does, and not everybody has. As this passage continues, there's also a foundation that's laid, especially as you keep reading in verse 3. And the foundation is, although, although God's works were finished from the foundation of the world, he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. God rested on the seventh day from all his works. So that word foundation is telling us, the idea of rest, the idea of a realm or a place where human beings have relief and security that flows from a right relationship with God. Do you notice how this takes us back, not just to Psalm 95, but it takes us back all the way to when God created everything, days one through six, and it says on the seventh day, he rested, and the rest actually is a gift. I mean, human beings enjoy At the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, that rest. Well, sure, they work, and sure, they 
keep the garden and they develop things, but they also enjoy this right relationship with God without threat. Work is not that burden that it's become now. Foundationally, the idea of rest, what God always has designed, is for you and I to enjoy him and to enjoy our existence. That's what it was meant to be. And yet, again, the kind of the, the minor key note in all this passage is, but we could miss it. If we're not aware, if we're, if, if we're not paying attention, if we're not spiritually alert, he's not done quoting Psalm 95. In verse 5, he says this again in this passage, which passage? Psalm 95. David said, they, they won't enter my rest. So if David's marking this point, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, back in Psalm 95 again, and here's the word, disobedience. It's like, oh, there's this great opportunity, but it was missed because God's people disobeyed. This is one of many words to describe what happened to God's people, what still happens to God's people. Another word is unbelief. We know God said it. We're just not sure we can trust it. Uh, Another description is hardness of heart. And finally, we have this word, disobedience. It's like all these things that go on with our heart connected to God's word. Are, Are we going to hear God's word and believe it? And there's a cluster of heart activities where we go, no. I know, God, you've said this. But actually, all the circumstances I see are telling me it's not going to go that way. God, I know you've said this. I know you've told me to do this, but I'm not going to do it. I'd rather just run the risk of doing things my own way. I know you have a world that I'm supposed to live in and submit to your rule and your reign, but God, I'll do things my way and I'll call you if I need you. I mean, you you see how we, by our actions, by our attitudes, say, God, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to change. I will do things the way I want to do them. I won't trust. I won't rely. And you actually see where the story goes. Again, and it's kind of quoting, zeroing in in verse 7 on that word today. Again, he points a certain day. Today, saying through David, long afterward, 300, 400 years afterward, David is still speaking of this episode of them hardening their hearts at one point in time. Today, David says, if you, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. And then Joshua comes into it. In, in verse 8, it says, if Joshua had given them rest. So we know Moses didn't, but Joshua actually did bring in, them into the promised land. And, and notice what it says here. If Joshua didn't totally give them the rest, because David's still talking about a rest that they need to enter, God would not have spoken of another day later on. You kind of have to follow the timeline. So Joshua brings God's people into what would be thought of as like rest, the the promised land, Canaan land. This is what was going to be like free from enemies, the Egyptians. we're, We're free, we can live. But David says, yeah, God's people are still looking for another rest that isn't about just a a piece of real estate. There's another realm. There's another place that God's people, even in David's time, David who sits in as the king of Jerusalem, the king of Israel, king of Judah. David says, we're still like, don't harden your heart because there's a rest that we're still trying to reach. It's a word 
of clarity, helping us appreciate even Joshua didn't, the rest we're talking about here, even Joshua didn't bring them into. Verse 9, the conclusion of this is, so then, there does remain a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Writer Hebrews says it to them, saying it to us, for whoever has entered God's rest can rest from his works as God did from his. There remains a Sabbath rest. Other translations are going to say a celebration, a Sabbath celebration, a festival, a time of feast and joy and praise and adoration. There's another rest remaining. And that rest is out in the future. And we enter by believing and we enter by remaining and relying. And we don't enter that rest by working. We enter that by trusting. And then we're told of the effort we need to make in verse 11. Therefore, let us strive to enter that rest so that we don't fall short, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Let us strive. And, and this stri- striving, this effort is not the effort of a treadmill. Like we just can't ever get to where we want to go. This is, the, this is the striving and the effort to say, you're not on a treadmill trying to earn God's favor, but you are in a battle. And you've got to keep trusting. You have to keep relying. You have to be stubborn, persistent about, like though my confidence is shaken, I'm going to keep hoping in the Lord. I'm going to keep looking to him as my refuge and my strength. I'm going to keep relying on him. That's the effort we're making. At the end of that is a verse that I learned a long time ago, but often it was disconnected from this passage Hebrews 4.12 says, in light of all that we just heard about God's promises and God's word and responding in belief or not, then just know that the word of God is living and active. God's word that we read, we respond to is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from his sight but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God's word, alive, not dead. God's word, active, not passive or static. God's word, sharp and not dull. God's word, discerning, not ignorant. God's word, deep, not surface. Every aspect open to God. God's word, exposing everything, nothing remaining hidden. Not even my thoughts, not even my motives. It all being laid bare. That is the power of God's word going to work. Has a double edge. God's word creates light, but then it also reveals things. God's word exposes us. And it brings with it a verdict. Like if, if it's saying no one, no one is going to escape the accountability of being laid before God in his word. Then it brings the verdict, am I relying, am I believing, or am I going, I don't know that I buy that. I think I'm going to do it my own way. You sense the urgency. You sense the warning. Even if you don't understand, as I'm sure none of us do, every aspect of all of what's going on here, do you appreciate the urgency of God's word and paying attention to it? You know, the the thing that helped me the most was to try to capture what this passage was saying, maybe even by means of praying, praying through what God was saying to us in this. I'd just like to share with you those prayers, because maybe it's something that 
as you reflect and read even more about this passage and as we continue on next week's end of chapter 4 and 5, I wonder if some of these prayers would be helpful. One prayer that just jumps out at me immediately is, Lord, keep me connected to community. I pray that because I read in verse 1 and verse 11, two words, let us, let us, not let me, but let us, let us come together. There is a community impact. And if you are part of Vision Sunday, you just heard that loud and clear. And actually, if you've been here multiple weeks, Hebrews is going to keep saying it's not just about you alone trying to just hang in there and walk with the Lord. It is about a community, a partnership. And by that, I don't just mean like the Newark community or the Newcastle County community. I'm talking about the community of brothers and sisters that are saying, let's all hear God's word together. Let's all lean in. Let's all play the role that God has designed us to play. Lord, keep me connected to community because inevitably there's going to be things that you do that frustrate me and things that I do that frustrate you. There's going to be opportunities for disappointment and hurt, and it'd be very easy to disconnect. There's going to be seasons where just we get lazy and we don't pay attention. Lord, keep me connected to community. Let us strive to enter that rest. Not just me. Let's all do that together. Another prayer that I hear coming out of this is, Lord, help me rest now even as I wait for future rest. I guess maybe one addition I might make to that is, Lord, help me rest now as much as possible. As much as possible. Even as I know there's a future rest coming. And I'm not, I'm, we haven't arrived there yet. Lord, help me rest. Lord, help me rest when I'm tempted to like, oh, if I just had control of this situation, then I would rest. If I just had the approval of this person, it would like, then I could rest. If I was just accepted by this group, if I could just, if I could just be a little bit more comfortable, then I could rest. Lord, help me rest now. Help me to rest in you. Help me not to think there are alternatives that are better. Because certainly the world's going to load us. My flesh is going to load me with tons of alternatives that may in a moment feel pretty attractive versus finding rest in a deep relationship with the Lord. Lord, help me rest now. Help me see the alternatives, the options for relief. I'll take, you know, I'll take this substance that'll help me kind of rest or I will Just go after this hobby or this pursuit or this goal and that will give me some rest. Lord, help me see the alternatives. Help me see where those roads might lead. Help me see where people might suffer if I don't find my rest in you because they're going to have to deal with an anxious, irritated, frustrated individual when I could have found my rest in you. Things are not perfect yet, so Lord, help me find rest now even as I'm waiting Things aren't perfect. The picture in Hebrews 4 is like we're entering into rest. And I love that picture, like we're entering in. So it's, you know, you walk through a door and there's a threshold and like you're right on the first step. You're not like all the way in the house yet, but you're, you're right on that threshold, ready to enter in. I think the writer of Hebrews is saying, keep moving. Keep walking forward. You're right, you're entering it right now. 
your world is, is frustrating and hard, but keep walking. Find rest in this. If God is our shield, if he is, which he said he is, then we have protection. I can rest now, even as I know future rest is coming. If God is my redeemer, then my sin has been overcome. And I don't have to live in the guilt and the shame that could plague me. I can actually rest now, even as I realize one day rest is coming and all the, the memories of sin, even that will be gone and I'll live freely without any sort of burden or threat. God, help me rest now, even as I know rest is coming. If God is the one who shares and even beyond shares, actually carries my heavy burdens, then I'm not alone in this world, even if I feel alone sometimes, and I can rest now. If God is my hope, then my life isn't made up of random things, some of which are lucky, some of which are unlucky. But no, if God is my hope, and he is working all things out for good, then I can rest now, even if I know full rest is coming down the road. If God, if, if an even deeper relationship with God is in my future, and if like we sang in Be Thou My Vision, like I want to, may I reach heaven's joys, if that's what's awaiting, a deep relationship with God is in my future, then I can rest now, even if I know I'm waiting for that deeper intimacy, closeness with the Lord. Lord, help me rest as much as possible right now. Even if you're in a chaotic, crazy, frustrating, nuts season of life, where just one thing, then this, then this, then this, then this, and you go, Chris, I don't even begin to know how I can rest now. Lord, help me rest, even now. Even as I know more rest, future rest is coming. And the final prayer I'm praying this week is, Lord, help me respond to your word in trust, which does assume I'm prioritizing God's word and hearing it. Lord, help me respond, be sensitive in that response in trust. Trust because what we talked about today is something that our eyes don't see. So let's just acknowledge that. We don't see how all this, and it's actually in the future. It's, it's not today, and it's actually in a heavenly realm where, where God is, and it's not necessarily in this earthly realm that is broken. Like, we're calling, our, we're calling ourselves like, Lord, help me, help me respond in trust to your word. Help me sense like you're reliable in this. I can take your word on this and help me base my life and my, my priorities and my values on what you've said. Help that to shape Shape my thoughts. Shape my actions. Lord, you said your word is living and active. Lord, may your word come into and, and, and expose my, my thoughts, my feelings. And then may I begin to respond in trust. May I say, okay, Lord, I will do what you want. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Lord, I will rely on you, even though I'm anxious and I'm fearful. Lord, I will go and ask you for your help, because I'm going to respond to your word in trust. Lord, I will let your word go to work on my pride 
and my bitterness. Lord, I will let your word push me and motivate me to forgive even though I just want to hang on. Lord, I will make sacrifices based on priorities and values from your word. Lord, I will choose hard things, hard roads, hard paths. If you tell me to walk them, I will do that because I know something is better. Your word is living and active. So Lord, help me respond to your word in trust. It's a heavy passage. A lot of Hebrews is. But I hear in there a word of encouragement. Let us do this. So let's pray, Lord, keep me connected to community. Lord, help me rest now, even as I wait for future rest. And Lord, oh Lord, help me respond to your word in confidence and reliance and trust. Those are good prayers to pray. I actually want to give you space to pray those right now, and then I'll lead us in a prayer in just a moment. I just ask you to quiet your heart before the Lord. Maybe one of those in particular is one that the Lord's done some work on your life. Take those to the Lord. Nick reminded us earlier, we have a generous Heavenly Father who actually has told you in this moment, ask, seek, and knock. Let's go to him in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, there are some in this room I'm positive that to respond to your word in trust would be a massive change in many areas of life. And while there may be a stranger in this room to me, you know each person here. And I pray that you would awaken faith and awaken hope and life. I pray whatever lies that would seem to be obstacles to really trusting, really resting, those would be removed, not by our power, but by your power, where there's the person saying, I want to believe. Father, I pray that you would help them believe. Where the person that is maybe feels a little disconnected to community, I pray this week you would just supernaturally bring them into community. I pray they would be bold to ask for it and bring them to someone's mind that might reach out to them. Lord, what we desire, what the whole world wants is rest. And I pray that this morning would be a reminder we could chase it a thousand dead ends trying to find rest. And yet you've called us to a deep relationship with you. May we find rest right there. May our prayer be, we want Jesus. We need him, which is why we ask these requests in his name. Here because of his sake. Amen.